Hello everyone and welcome to the January 7th edition of the WorkCom Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with the Floyd Scarron Law Firm. Thanks for joining us today. So let's get started with our litigation report. The Racketeer Influenced and Corruption Organizations Act, commonly referred to as the RICO Act or simply RICO, is federal law that provides for extended criminal penalties and a civil cause of action for acts performed as part of an ongoing criminal organization. In order to prevail in a RICO action, a plaintiff must prove a predicate offense, one of which is fraud. In addition, a plaintiff must also prove a pattern of racketeering activity. Lawyers for injured workers have tried to apply RICO laws as a penalty in workers' compensation claims for at least a decade with poor results. Conceptually, they allege that an employer, carrier, or third-party administrator concocts a fraudulent scheme that is used over and over to prevent workers from obtaining just benefits. Plaintiff efforts to succeed at RICO in the federal Sixth Circuit, which oversees the states of Kentucky, Michigan, Ohio, and Tennessee, ultimately ended in failure. In one of the last tries, a Michigan claimant alleged that the employer and carrier defrauded him with false medical testimony in the case of Brown versus Ajax Paving Industries. But the United States Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit followed the prior ruling in Jackson versus Sedgwick Claims Management Services, rejecting his case. Essentially, in the Sixth Circuit, RICO cannot be based on an underlying workers' compensation claim because the court held that benefits the plaintiff expects to receive under a workers' compensation scheme does not constitute an injury to what is defined as business or property under the RICO statutes. The effort to win comp-related RICO cases then moved to the Ninth Circuit, which involves nine western states, including California and Arizona, arguably the most liberal circuit in the federal system. In the case of Lori Miller versus York Rick Risk Services Group, the case involved nine plaintiffs who worked as firefighters or engineers for the Phoenix Fire Department. The plaintiffs in that case alleged that York worked with the city of Phoenix to wrongfully deny or delay their workers' comp benefits in violation of the federal RICO Act. In 2015, before the case went to trial, it was settled. Thus, the RICO theory was not tested in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in that case. Now the injured workers have lost another RICO case, this time filed in California. In California, John Black and a group of police officers and firefighters asserted a RICO claim involving the city of Rialto and the city of Stockton, Carvel Enterprises, York Risk Services Group, and others. These plaintiffs alleged these defendants engaged in a pattern of fraudulently denying and delaying legitimate claims. In 2016, the federal trial judge, after giving the plaintiffs several opportunities to properly plead their case, reviewed the Fourth Amendment com amended complaint and dismissed the California case without leave to amend. The dismissal is based upon a determination that a workers' compensation benefit is not a property right subject to RICO, a ruling consistent with the position taken in the Sixth Circuit. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals just affirmed the dismissal in the unpublished case of Black v. Corvell Enterprises Comp Incorporated. 
The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that appellants failed to establish any property interest in their workers' compensation benefits prior to a final award of benefits. Additionally, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals found <clears throat> that the exclusive remedy provision of the Workers' Compensation Act preempts the RICO claims. In our crime report, special agents with the DEA arrested an Orange County doctor <clears throat> on federal charges that he illegally distributed opioid and other powerful narcotics by writing prescriptions for patients without medical examinations and to at least five individuals who suffered overdose deaths. One man who allegedly obtained prescriptions from the doctor was involved in a car accident that killed a bicyclist who was a captain with the Costa Mesa Fire and Rescue Department. The 57-year-old physician, Zung An Pham, who owns Irvine Village Urgent Care, was arrested and charged with two counts of illegally distributing oxycodone. The complaint alleges that Pham issued prescriptions for the controlled substance outside the usual course of professional practice and without a legitimate medical purpose. Prosecutors say Pham was selling prescriptions to patients who were drug addicts and who were selling the drugs on the black market. A review of the Cures database showed that Pham issued an extremely high amount of prescriptions of addictive drugs over a three-year period. Investigators learned that a CVS pharmacy in Irvine stopped accepting prescriptions from Dr. Pham more than five years ago when the doctor could not justify the number of opioid pills he was prescribing. During two undercover operations, a DEA agent quickly and easily obtained prescriptions for narcotics, including a triple threat, also referred to as the Holy Trinity, which is the combined use of an opioid, a biodiazepine such as Valium, and Carisprodol, which is a muscle relaxer like Soma. Pham allegedly steered the undercover agent to an Irvine pharmacy that filled many of his prescriptions. Investigators discovered text messages in which patients seek prescriptions, sometimes asking for specific quantities of particular narcotics in specific doses. At least 84 of those patients had their prescriptions filled on the same day or within the next two days of their text messages. One text message sent by Pham expressed concern after receiving information that the individual who fatally shot 12 people at the borderline bar and grill in Thousand Oaks had in his position prescriptions for someone else which Dr. Pham had prescribed. Pham deposited over $5 million, mostly in cash, into bank accounts held by Pham and his wife. And he also deposited about $1.7 million, likely derived from insurance payments, into a business bank account. It is rare for prosecutors to bring homicide charges against a physician for a patient's death. But the Los Angeles District Attorney's Office claimed the second-degree murder convictions in 2015 of a Los Angeles-area doctor were the first ones against a U.S. doctor for recklessly prescribing drugs. In 2007, Dr. Su Ying Lisa Sang joined Advanced Care AAA Medical Clinic in Roland Heights, 
it was a general medical practice operated by her husband. In 2008, pharmacists began to refuse to fill her prescriptions written by Dr. Sang because their prescriptions raised red flags, indicating no legitimate medical purpose for writing the prescriptions. When Sang learned of this, she referred the patients to mom-and-pop pharmacies, which continued to fill her prescriptions. That same year, law enforcement investigators, including investigators from the coroner's office, began calling her to discuss the deaths of several of her patients and to apprise her that the patients had died of suspected drug overdoses shortly after obtaining prescriptions from her. Then in 2012, Sang was charged, and after a six-week trial, a jury found her guilty of three counts of second-degree murder, 19 counts of unlawfully prescribing controlled substances, and one count of obtaining a controlled substance by fraud. The trial court sentenced her to 30 years to life in state prison. Dr. Sang appealed, and the Court of Appeal affirmed in the partially published opinion. She claimed on appeal that substantial evidence did not support the murder convictions and that the trial court erred in admitting evidence of six uncharged patient deaths, failing to unseal and quash a search warrant of her financial records, and failing to grant a mistrial based on prosecutorial misconduct, and for reopening closing arguments, and finally, failing to apply Penal Code Section 654 to the murder conviction sentences. The Court of Appeal reviewed each of these challenges and concluded that none of her arguments were meritorious. And a Santa Clara County Sheriff's Lieutenant was arrested in Las Vegas for allegedly faking the extent of an injury and receiving workers' comp benefits. Lieutenant Mandy Henderson was arrested by Las Vegas police after investigators saw her engaging in strenuous workouts despite her claim of industrial injury. Lieutenant Henderson was arrested on a felony warrant and was expected to be transported from Las Vegas to Santa Clara County to face the charges. The sheriff's office is conducting an internal affairs investigation in addition to its criminal investigation of Lieutenant Henderson. And a Contra Costa County jury found defendant David Michael Bufano guilty of failing to provide workers' compensation insurance for his employees. Additionally, the jury found Bufano violated state law when he violated a stop work order issued by the Department of Industrial Relations. He is the owner and operator of Grant Street Pub and Pizzeria in Concord and has at least 18 employees. He has been sentenced to two years of court probation and fined $10,000. Under the labor code, the fine is paid to the California State Treasury to the credit of the Uninsured Employers Fund. The criminal filing stemmed from a joint enforcement strike force operation with the district Attorney's Office, Department of Industrial Relations, Labor Commissioner's Office, and the Employment Development Department. Inspectors from these agencies conducted surprise inspections at Conta Costa County restaurants during the summer of 2018. These restaurants were suspected of deliberately evading the obligation to provide workers' compensation insurance to their employees. 
Bufano's restaurant was cited on June 25, and a stop work order was issued by the labor commissioner until he could provide proof of workers' compensation insurance. But the very next day, Bufano's employees were back at work, at his direction, in violation of the stop work order. On June 27, a follow-up inspection revealed that the restaurant remained open for business and employees were present and working. Bufano still had not obtained workers' comp insurance at the point of the follow-up inspection. He was cited by the labor commissioner and fined $6,000. Willful failure to provide the insurance is punishable by substantial fines and misdemeanor criminal prosecution. Employees that do not know whether they are covered can check their employer's notice board or ask a manager. Labor Code Section 3550 requires an employer to post a notice identifying the current insurance at a conspicuous location. A new study reports that there has been a 20% annual increase in health-related crimes by physicians. Limited information exists on the characteristics of U.S. physicians who have been excluded from Medicare and state public insurance programs for convictions of health care fraud, crimes related to health care delivery, or substance abuse. Common fraud schemes include billing for services not rendered, filing duplicative claims including the unbundling of bundled services, and misrepresenting dates and locations where services were performed. Health crimes involve the provision of medically unnecessary procedures, illegal patient admittance, and retention practices, the making of false statements including physician medical identity theft, and the gross violation of professionally recognized standards of care. Dr. Alice Chen from the University of Southern California in Los Angeles and her colleagues conducted a cross-sectional study to examine the characteristics of physicians excluded from Medicare and state public insurance programs for fraud, health crimes, or unlawful prescribing of controlled substances between 2007 and 2017, a 10-year period. They found that the number of physicians excluded from participating in public health insurance has grown substantially over that time and that excluded physicians were concentrated in specific regions of the United States. More than 2,000 physicians were temporarily or permanently excluded from Medicare and state public insurance programs during the 10-year period. On average, there was a 20% increase per year in fraud, health claims, and substance abuse exclusions. The highest exclusion rates in the West were in the West and the Southeast, and the state with the highest exclusion rate was West Virginia, while there were no exclusions in Montana. Exclusions were more likely for male physicians, physicians with osteopathic training, older physicians, and physicians in specific specialties. Physicians in the West and Southeast were most likely to be excluded for fraud, substance abuse, or health crimes. Although California, New York, Florida and Texas had the highest absolute counts of excluded physicians. They also had the largest physician populations. When considering the rate of physician exclusions per 1,000 physicians, only Florida remained in the highest category of exclusion rates. 
This finding could be evidence that regulators who have been aided by recent public policies targeting the reduction of fraud and waste may be getting better at identifying perpetrators of fraudulent activity. Many of these regions in the West and Southeast had Medicare fraud strike force teams which were established in hot spots of unexplained high Medicare billing levels. And in regulatory news, a California Assemblywoman has introduced legislation intending to strengthen employee rights and better define those characterized as an independent contractor or employee. The bill, known as AB5, was introduced this month and it would add to state law the ABC test regarding independent contractors. This new test was adopted unanimously by California's Supreme Court in the case of Dynamex Operations West versus Superior Court of Los Angeles in a landmark April decision. The court ruled in favor of workers when Dynamex, a package and documents delivery company, converted all of its drivers to independent contractors to save money. In its decision, the court sided with the drivers and established the three-part ABC test, which requires workers to be classified as independent contractors only if all three of the criteria can be shown. The three criteria are A, the worker is free from control and direction of the employer as it relates to performance of the work. B, the worker is the work is performed outside the usual course of the hiring entity's business. And characteristic C, the worker engages in an independently established trade, occupation, or business of the same nature as the work performed for the hiring entity. In its decision, the court cited the harm to misclassified workers who lose significant workplace protections and the unfairness to employers who must compete with companies that misclassify. And they cited the loss to the state of needed revenue from companies that use misclassification to avoid obligations such as payment of payroll taxes, payment of premiums for workers' compensation, Social Security, unemployment, and disability insurance. Also, independent contractors are not guaranteed the protection of workplace health and safety rights, including a minimum wage, paid sick leave, workers' compensation benefits if injured on the job, or unemployment benefits if laid off. The proposed law will be the subject of hearings throughout the year starting this January. And the California Insurance Commissioner has issued a decision and order imposing more than $4 million in penalties on American Labor Alliance and Comp 1 USA for selling workers' compensation and liability policies to employers of farm workers without being properly licensed with the Department of Insurance. Central Valley-based American Labor Alliance attracted customers by marketing low workers' compensation premium rates. It had contracted with fewer than 100 employers and had a small membership role before 2016. But its membership surged after it introduced its workers' comp benefit, and it had more than 400 employers with 30,000 members as of February 2017. 
two-thirds of those employers are seasonal agricultural workers employed by roughly 50 farm labor contractors. American Labor Alliance and Comp 1 USA are subsidiaries of Agricultural Contracting Services Association, which is a Nevada not-for-profit corporation headquartered in Clovis, California. It characterizes itself as a union labor organization operating in California, New York, and Georgia. Neither Agricultural Contracting Services Association nor any of its subsidiaries is licensed by the California Department of Insurance. Despite a cease and desist order issued by the Department of Insurance in October 2016 and a decision and order in November 2017 ordering them to refrain from selling insurance policies in California, the company continued to transact insurance without a license. The new decision and order imposes the $4.3 million penalty that represents $5,000 for each of the 869 days that the company sold workers' comp insurance without a license. Also, FBI agents on behalf of the U.S. Department of Labor served warrants for the Workplace Injury Benefit Program records back in July of 2017 at the headquarters office of American Labor Alliance. It is not known if federal authorities will bring legal or criminal actions against these organizations. And in medical news, according to a new study by researchers at the Stanford University School of Medicine and the Duke University School of Medicine, early physical therapy may reduce the need for opioid medications. The study made an analysis of private health insurance claims for care and prescriptions between 2007 and 2015, and the study was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association Network Open. Researchers found that patients who underwent physical therapy soon after being diagnosed with pain in the shoulder, back, low back, or knee were approximately 7 to 16 percent less likely to use opioids in the subsequent months. For patients with shoulder, back, or knee pain who did use opioids, early physical therapy was associated with a 5 to 10 percent reduction in how much of the drug they used. The study also measured whether early physical therapy was associated with a decreased need for opioids in the long term among patients who filled their prescriptions. Researchers found that the patients who had undergone early physical therapy used 10.3% less opioid medication for knee pain, 9.7% less for shoulder pain, and 5.1% less for back pain in the period three months to a year after their diagnosis. There was no significant reduction for neck pain. The findings could be helpful to clinicians in search of pain management options that carry fewer health risks than opioids. And in other industry news, workers' compensation insurance rates are expected to decrease in 2019, except at the racetrack. The California Thoroughbred Business League, which is responsible for overseeing funds utilized for providing workers' compensation insurance to horsemen, has seen steadily increasing workers' compensation rates in the state of California. The cost of the 2019 program is expected to increase by 3% 
and more than $13.7 million for thoroughbreds. Per start fees will be increased from $100 to $106 to cover the owner's portion of funding. As before, the per start fee will be automatically deducted from the owner's paymaster account every time that owner starts a horse. The Thoroughbred Owners of California Board voted unanimously to increase guaranteed participation purses by $6 per start to offset these costs. In addition, owners of horses who finished fifth or beyond whenever their share of purse money is less than the guaranteed participation purse will be paid $300 per start at Golden Gate Fields and $351 per start at Southern California tracks to include increased costs for third-party LASIKs administration and jockey fees. Three sources of revenue are utilized to cover workers' compensation costs in California, according to Finish Line Self-Insurance Group, which has managed workers' compensation accounts for thoroughbred horsemen in California since 2011. Owners pay a fee per starter to cover jockeys, trainers, pay a daily fee to cover exercise riders and stable staff. And one half of 1% of the takeout on handle from exotic wagers on California races is dedicated to a fund to pay workers' compensation costs. Legislation passed back in 2004 allowed for the increase in takeout to offset workers' comp costs. The deduction from takeout amounts to about $6.5 million a year, and owners and trainers pay the remaining costs. The Thoroughbred Owners of California is part of the California Thoroughbred Business League, a consortium of racetracks, horsemen's groups, and fair organizations that oversee a program to provide workers' comp sub subsidies to the owners. The Finish Line Group has handled workers' compensation for thoroughbred horsemen in California since 2011. And with that story that is all of our news and events for this week, please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone or your iPad or your Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. And we also publish a daily flash briefing on the Amazon Alexa Echo platform. Search for Workers' Compensation News on Amazon. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd Scarin Manukian Langevin. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news.